0: Hey everyone, welcome back into the College Age Movement Podcast. We are in part two of our Christmas series entitled From Manger to Majesty. And uh, it's just a short two-week series. Last week we talked about the shepherds that were alerted to the birth of Jesus. We talked about the message of Christmas, the message of Jesus being for all people, and that we need to be people who are ready to step into what Jesus is asking us to do in this season, we talked about how the Christmas season is tangibly different, that people are more receptive to the message of Jesus and the hope that he brings. Maybe you are one of those people that this has been quite the year and you're stepping back in looking for a promise, looking for hope. And we're so glad that you're joining us here. So, from last week's story centered around the shepherds finding b- the baby Jesus in a manger to a passage out of Hebrews this week that talks about the majesty of God. So, We're going to start in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And it says this, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So, the first thing that I want to do this week is to take a look at the word majesty. Some words used by Merriam-Webster Dictionary to, to define it are sovereign, authority, dignity, royal, grandeur, and splendor. So, From a manger comes majesty. From a manger comes dignity. From a manger comes sovereignty, authority, grandeur, splendor. The passage says that Jesus is the perfect representation of God, the perfect representation of majesty. And I don't know about you, but but I hear that. I hear grandeur and splendor and and majesty, and I think of marble floors and high ceilings and gold-plated everything, not a feeding trough in a stable but I think that that is kind of the whole point. The first point this week is humble beginnings with glorious endings. Humble beginnings with glorious endings. I love the Christmas story for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is because if we didn't know the ending, we wouldn't ever have heard the beginning. Two seemingly normal people having a baby and having to use a manger for its bed isn't necessarily exciting. It's really probably more depressing than anything. But because we have the benefit to see the whole picture, we know that there is something beautiful about the manger. There's something inherently amazing about the manger, and it's this, is that something simple, something rugged, something unpolished, something unassuming, got to hold majesty. Now, we as people are simple. We're simply human beings. And none of us, by culture standard, would probably be pulled aside and deemed as special. We're pretty unassuming, and yet Jesus wants a relationship with each one of us and has deemed us both special and worthy to carry majesty. That we as followers of Jesus, we as the children of God, have been deemed worthy and qualified to carry the mantle of Jesus, to love our neighbors as ourselves and to love the Lord our God. That's a majestic calling. That is a calling full of splendor and grandeur. And we are simple and unassuming and rugged and rough around the edges, and yet Jesus says, no, I want you to carry this. I want you to carry the most incredible message in the world. You see, the message of Christmas isn't necessarily just about a baby being born to forgive the sins of the world. It's about God reaching down from heaven to earth and inviting us to be a part of the story. He didn't just write the story in the sky. He came to earth as a baby to forgive the sins of the world, to make human connection. You see, we are chock full of humble beginnings, and yet God has incredible, glorious things for us to be a part of. And I think that we should recognize that more often and be absolutely blown away. I think the invitation in itself is absolutely astounding that the creator of the universe made himself human and came to us because it was humanly impossible for us to go to him. So what do we do? How do we engage with this? Do we use the Christmas story as an excuse to decorate, give gifts, eat treats? All which I'm completely on board with. But there's gotta be something more than my mom's Christmas wreath co- cookies, right? Like it's, it's so exciting, I look forward to it every year, but like, that's not Christmas, that's not the story. How do we engage? Is it, is it about those things? Or do we move past that and accept the invitation of Jesus to participate in the hope that he brings? We aren't just asked to be to, to tell the story of Christmas once a year and hope that, that people find the love of Jesus. We're actually asked to be the Christmas story, to be the hope, to be the message of Jesus. Not just in this season, not just in this tangibly different Christmas season, but every season. We are called to show people the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Our goal isn't to be looked at as having grandeur or splendor. like, And I think it's really important that we understand that. That, that our goal is to not look like the, this amazing thing and that people want to be like us. Our goal is to be simple vessels that contain the hope of the world. And that through us and through the words that we speak and through the actions that we take, people would see Jesus. And they would say, man, if if that guy, if Evan can carry the hope of the world through his relationship with Jesus, then I certainly can, because he is rough and unassuming, and there's really nothing special about him other than the fact that Jesus has called him worthy. And I know that that feels like a big responsibility because, well, it is. (laughs) If it was small or if it was easy, I don't think it would be very majestic at all. But really... The story of Christmas hinges on human beings saying yes to responsibility and yes to the invitations that God extends. It all started with those two, quote unquote, normal people that we talked about at the beginning, Joseph and Mary. And so what I want to do is I want to take a quick look and talk about their yeses and how it affects eternity. Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 19 says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had, to mi- he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So the next point is this, be willing to challenge expectations. Be willing to challenge expectations. But Think about this. At this point, it was completely understandable that Joseph thought that Mary had slept with another man and gotten pregnant. They had not been together. So that was like the only logical explanation, that that she was with another man and got pregnant. And yet, he didn't want to publicly shame her. He still wanted to be faithful to her. He didn't want her to, to face public ridicule. There was a chance that she could be stoned for getting pregnant outside of marriage vows, especially when she was pledged to be married to somebody else. He wanted to love her well, and it says that he wanted to divorce her quietly. And this is what's really important, is that before the great calling from God, where God asked Joseph to be the father of Jesus, Joseph still makes a holy decision. Before the great calling, Joseph makes a holy decision. He was the type of man that made good decisions and took good steps. And I think that that's why God chose him, is that he was willing to be faithful in the little things, So God knew that when he asked the big thing, Joseph would be faithful in that as well. Maybe we haven't heard a clear calling from God yet because he is waiting for us to make the right decisions leading up to it. And I'm not talking about earning our place in God's story. None of us can earn that. But I think that for our own sake, for the sake of the people around us, We have to say yes to the little things. We have to be faithful to the daily things that God has asked us before we can ever really, truly be faithful in the big thing. So many of us are waiting for God to ask us to do something big, something grand, something world-changing, when God is just asking us to be faithful in those simple things. I think it's important that we understand that we cannot wait for the calling to jumpstart our faithfulness. Like, well, When the call comes, when that big ask comes, when that world-changing opportunity comes, I'm going to be so faithful. No, that's not how it works. We must be faithful if we want to receive the calling in the first place or if we at least want to be successful in the calling because we have to say yes to the little things before we can say yes to the big things. The small decisions that we make today in pursuit of Jesus will lead... To the opportunity to make big decisions down the line. Matthew goes on to say this in verses 20 through 24. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said that through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. The next point is this, step up when called. Step up when called. Joseph listens to the Lord and does as he's asked. He continues to be faithful when the big call comes. As I read this, I really wanted to believe that I would do the same thing, but My gut tells me fear would have been my initial response, not faithfulness. That I would have let fear quench my faithfulness. But after I read it a few times, I think that the Lord knew that there was some fear in Joseph too. This faithful man still had fear because this was a huge ask. I think that's why the angel leads out, do not be afraid, Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. See, naturally, there could have been some hesitation in Joseph, but he obeyed anyway. I think that that is why faith isn't the absence of fear. Our culture have told told us that faith and fear are completely opposites. They're they're on polar ends of the spectrum. Faith is obeying God no matter what fear may be present within us. We are human. We are going to fear, feel fear. We are going to feel hesitation towards things. I think too often we believe that faith is us boldly declaring that there is absolutely no fear. There's no fear in us. I have no hesitation about this situation or this calling or this relationship, and I'm, I'm just going to— I'm just going to go do this, and, and I will do whatever, and nothing will scare me. Nothing will get in my way. I'm just going to, to bowl through everything in, in pursuit of Jesus. And that's really cute to think those things, but we all know that we will experience fear and stress and, and hesitation. I think a more bold and more realistic declaration would be this. Jesus, no matter what fear I'm feeling towards this calling, no matter what fear I'm feeling towards this situation, you are greater than all my fears. So I'm going to move forward. I'm gonna keep pushing ahead because I know that you are in control and my fear doesn't have a shot against what you have to offer. That's a bold statement. That's a realistic statement. That causes us to say, even though I'm a little bit fearful, even though I'm a little bit stressed out, I still believe that God is in control and I'm gonna move forward. Because if we live in this world where it's just fear or just faith, we are often going to be crippled by that fear our fear can work in tandem with our faith, that we would use that in our faith to propel us towards what God is asking us to do. I think Joseph is often the unsung hero of the Christmas story. We don't really hear about Joseph that much throughout scripture, but he his simple faithfulness to, to both God and to his wife, Mary, are absolutely astounding. And I think it's really important that we constantly... And consistently think of Joseph when it comes to the Christmas story. And as important, if not more important, is this amazing woman named Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 30, talks about the story of Mary interacting with the angel of God. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I just want to stop here real quick and make one point. God isn't naive to how big his asks of us can be. To both Joseph and Mary, he says, do not be afraid because he knows that what he is asking them to do takes extraordinary faith. What we should gather from this is that that when God is calling us to something big, we don't have to turn around and say, God, do you understand what you're asking of me? Do you understand what kind of impact this is gonna have on my life? Do you understand how hard this is gonna be? He does, he absolutely does. And he is with us and he is for us through it all that if he didn't think we were capable of the calling, he wouldn't call us to it in the first place. He, place. He's, not, he's not naive to how big the asks that he placed on our lives is. But he says, with me, it's not going to be hard. My burden or my yoke is light. My burden is light. I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Luke goes on to say this. The angel speaking to Mary says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Talk about majesty. Talk about splendor. Talk about grandeur. Talk about authority. Then Mary's response in verse 34 is absolutely incredible. She simply says this. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. I love that. I love that there's a practicality about Mary. She's probably around 13 years old. Um, and she's just like, All right, this is this is really amazing and like this is crazy, and I can't believe this is happening, but I I have a question. I'm a virgin, so uh how? How is this gonna be? It's such a, a look into the humanity of the situation that even Mary like Mary wasn't born and knew for the 13 years of her life that like I one day I'm going to carry the savior of the world in my womb. Like no, that's not how it worked. She had questions. And yet she's still incredibly faithful and incredibly obedient to who God has asked her to be. The next few verses say this. The angel answered, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you." So the holy one to be born Will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. And that's the last point that no word from God will ever fail. I think this is one of the most profound statements in Scripture. I also think that it's something that, that we will miss way too often. We hear the promises of God either in Scripture or in our own conversations with God in our prayer time. And our response is often questioning those promises instead of believing them. We start to make lists. We start to make excuses. Like, not me. I'm not qualified. Or, or definitely not them. They're not qualified. Or not now. It's not, it's not the best time. Or yeah, I've been trying to get ready, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready for the calling that you've placed on my life. I'm not ready for that promise. I'm not ready to, to carry that promise and the calling that you've placed in my life. But not Mary. Mary in verse 38 simply says this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary believed that God would never fail, that God's word would never fail. She was confident that God was able. So I think a question that we have to ask ourselves is are we? Do we truly believe that the word of God never fails? Do we truly believe that his promises are true? Do we truly believe that the calling that he's placed on our lives is what is best for us? There's a song lyric by Maverick City, uh, Maverick City Music, and I, I might have brought, up, brought it up before, but um, it simply says this if you, if you said it, we believe it because you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it because you're a man of your word. That is the type of mentality that I want to have as a follower of Jesus. If Jesus said it, then I believe it because he's a man of his word and his word never fails. If we could be like that as individuals, if we could be like that as a community, as the big C church, man, the faith to move mountains would be so evident. I think that we would see absolutely incredible things that if we simply believed the words of Jesus, that the promises and callings on our lives, on the lives of those around us, if we believe those things, wow, I just think incredible things, majestic things would happen. And because God is majestic and because he is splendid and because he has authority and because he is king, he's trustworthy. Mary understood at a young age what most of us struggle figuring out for our entire lives. That we can trust God to fulfill the calling in our lives. And all we have to do is say yes. Jesus is making promises daily. He's calling us to things daily. He gives us opportunities daily. And we get the opportunity to say yes to those little things every single day so that next week, next month, next year, a decade from now, when God makes the big ask of us, we're ready. Because we've been faithful with little things. We've been obedient with little things. This is what I want to end with. We are imperfect people. And we can either spend all of our time disqualifying ourselves for being a part of the story. Or we can understand that Jesus chooses simple people like us. Just like he chose a simple manger. hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. This will be our last podcast until January as we have a Christmas party next week, December 15th, here at Faith Chapel. If you are in Billings, we'd love to see you at the Christmas party uh, December 15th, 7 o'clock, over in the chapel. If you are not in Billings, we hope that uh, you have a fantastic holiday season. Please reach out with any prayer requests if you want to get connected in any way. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.